may be seated. Let's take some time for announcements, uh, life together. It's not really on the page, but let's, we'll do that at this time. Um, there's several things coming up. First of all, we need to uh, welcome Rita back from Florida. <laughs> it's so good to have you back. Thanks for bringing back the warm weather and the sunshine. It hasn't been like that since you left, so uh, both outwardly and inwardly. We're so glad to see you. Rita said, I came back just in time for the rummage sale. <laughs> Talk about sacrifice. <laughs> Rummage sale is coming up this week. Uh, oh, hello, Miss Maida. <laughs> she pops up. It's up to you. You can shout like home time, or you can. Question that? <laughs> not I, not I. How many will be here? Tonight? There we go. Could you raise your hand helping set up a uh, committee? Kurt, are you going to be here tonight? Oh, no. Uh, oh, wait, some hands are not up. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully, we're going to have a good crowd tonight helping set up because it's a lot of work. Kind of like an altar call there. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to raise your hand? <laughs> Well, uh, uh, Dawn has, uh, has announcements too. Um, there's a brand new roof on this side of the sanctuary. We did oh, it is? this side. Yeah, you want to come up there and look at it? Maybe? Yeah. I always notice the, the missing shingles. So. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we knew you noticed it, so we took care of it this week. Yeah. This side, uh, we had to replace that maybe four or five years ago. And maybe you noticed, Ingrid did, that some of the shingles were kind of blowing off in the wind. And uh, um, we commissioned Amsterdam roofing. Their signs are out on the curb. And, um, and well, Don, you take it from there. <laughs> All right. And, uh, I might need your numbers. Here. Um, if I, Ed, it was the roof, cost for the roof was like 9000 something, right? $9, $9,900 to have the roof fixed. They started working on it Friday morning, uh, worked on it yesterday. We had to ask them to not pound or do their equipment during the Wellspring worship service from noon till 1.30, but they finished yesterday, and it looks beautiful. How many noticed it? 
<laughs> yeah, you will, you will, now you will. Um, but anyway, the other thing that's really cool, definitely a God thing going on. Ed pursued having the insurance company come and look at the roof when it was messed up and see if we could get some money for wind damage. How much do you think we got? $10,000 and something. Yes, yes. So that roof is paid for by the insurance company. Praise the Lord. Um, thank you, Don. Another, uh, another announcement. Any other uh, announcements that you want to add? Greg? Yeah, you talked to me earlier about this one. Say from here, I want to draw your attention to your bulletin and the insert. Uh, today is ministry. Uh, going to be our contribution to this outreach that is in the community for the poor, for the homeless, and frankly for those that don't have the blessings that we have in the church. So it's an opportunity to serve, it's also an opportunity to bring your donation through food. Uh, it's going to be something that will be brought together and then we're going to be going over after church on the 7th to St. Peter's Church in Arlington Heights. So if there's any questions, uh, please see either Martha or Carolyn with anything you have specifically in mind. But other than that, to you today. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Um, there's several things that came out of the board meeting this past uh, past week also, and one of them is that uh, a missionary family that we've been supporting um, are, uh, are are fully funded for the remainder of their their service in Ecuador. The Amundsens, uh, Byron was a young young man here in this congregation, and. Uh, uh, and so we got this letter. We've never received a letter like this and said, uh, we are fully funded, so we really don't need your support. <laughs> and Don was kind of stunned. She was speechless. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that was Bill. <laughs> but there's a cause for rejoicing because... Uh, not only, we were not the only supporters of the Amundsen's, but others have supported them. And, uh, and so the second wonderful part was, please continue to give toward world missions. Uh, we are evidence of the effectiveness of your gifts. And there are other missions, other people that, that are, uh, are needing support. So uh, please continue to make a wider impact with, uh, with your giving of, of your money and your prayers. So we'll continue to pray for uh, the Amundsen's, but, uh, but that's cause for rejoicing. As another cause for rejoicing, there's fellowship and food. The Fourth Sunday Gang has, uh, has prepared wonderful, uh, wonderful snacks in the uh, in Fellowship Hall. Uh, that immediately follows our, our worship here. Um, if it looks like one of the cakes, the chocolate chip uh, bakery cake, uh, is a little shorter than the pan, it's just an illusion. 
<laughs> it's just an illusion. And the confirmation class didn't have anything to do with that. But uh, anyway, it tastes really good. I, mean, I recommend that. Any other announcements in the life of our congregation? Esther? He is wonderful. He doesn't do anything that causes a lot of fanfare. And then all of a sudden we have this wonderful news about his pursuing the insurance company and getting the money. So I think we need another ad. <laughs> How many still believe Ed Alquist is wonderful? Okay, part two. How many think Ed Matsumoto is even more wonderful? <laughs> Man, you couldn't write this stuff. It's amazing. Any, any other announcements in the life of the church? Well, that's the end of the sermon. <laughs> and the issue is doubt. You know, this is a text that we pick up on the first Sunday after uh, after Resurrection Day, and um, and it's uh, Thomas, and he's his. This passage is is so well known that he's become known as Doubting Thomas because of this and other questions that he raises. We really should say questioning Thomas. Um, but, uh, but he reacts to the news that Jesus has come in the evening of the resurrection day and say in the other disciples, he wasn't with them. Who knows where he was? And, uh, and they say, the Lord was here. We saw him. And uh, um, and we, we touched him. He was in our midst. And, uh, uh, and Thomas says, uh, ah. And Esther did a wonderful job of being not only questioning, but kind of, uh, kind of cynical, too. Did you pick that up in her voice? Yes. Kind of a cynicism there. Um, you know, kind of super, super doubting. Her, her mind was at work. Maybe, uh, maybe Esther has been part of scams or something like that, that she had some... <laughs> First-hand experience, he's nodding, uh-huh. Um, this will uh, cure everything in your, in your health, or this will, uh, this will make you rich overnight, all those kinds of things. Esther wasn't born yesterday. She has that experience, and so have most of us, too. And so have everyone in the world that is that kind of a world, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that can't be true, because um, dead people stay dead, and uh, because... Uh, uh, life is life, and, uh, and death is death, and I know the difference. So unless I, uh, I put my finger in the print of the nails in his hand, I saw him crucified. I saw that terrible, awful day. I saw his suffering. I saw death. That has made an indelible impression in my, in my mind, in my soul, and in my faith. And unless I put my hand in his side, I saw that Roman soldier thrust his spear up under his ribs into his heart to stop it like that. 
saw the issue of blood and water coming out of his side. Oh, oh I can't imagine the pain, my Lord, suffering like that. Unless I put my hand in that wound, I will not believe. I will not believe. So a week later, it's a week later in our own life too, Jesus uh, shows up in the group of the disciples, the doors being closed, he passes through the walls, the resurrection body can do that, and, and uh, somehow he has learned, we're not surprised by that, but he's learned that Thomas said such a thing. Here I am, Thomas, here, come ahead, put your, uh, put your fingers in the print of the nails in my hands, and put your hand in the wound in my side. Do not doubt. That's where we get that label for Thomas, doubting time. Do not doubt, but believe. Believe. Did Thomas need to do that? Did he say, okay, well, let me see. Let's see. Give me your right hand, Jesus. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Wound on the other side, too. Something went right through it. How about the other one? Now, lift up your robe. Uh, didn't have to do that. In the presence of the risen Jesus, the resurrection body, his, his lively presence, so real and so tangible, he just, he just falls and worships, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. No doubt, no cynicism. His faith was not only restored and validated, but it grew exponentially in that moment. All he could do was say, my Lord and my God. Maybe many of you have heard ongoing proofs about, uh, about the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus and uh, and maybe trace some of the apologetics. Apologetics is the rational justification of the faith. It's a whole branch of, uh, of the Christian faith. And, and, uh, and that is an area that all of us need to spend some time in. At different times of our lives, those questions or the satisfaction of our minds maybe empirically, the way that we can put things together in a cause and effect sort of way, a way that we can reconcile some of the uh, understandings of, of science and, and new knowledge that is breaking in on us, um, needs to be incumbent upon us, and we need to uh, spend some time looking at, at some of those reasoning things. There's a, uh, a new movie out, Lee Strobel, A Case for Christianity, Case for Christ. It's a, it's a movie version of, uh, of his book that has had great uh, contemporary impact uh, in our world. Um, Lee Strobel was a doubting Thomas. Lee Strobel was uh, an attorney, journalist, someone who, uh, who lived his his world in an investigative way, um, it's discerning and dividing truth and falsehood, someone who just had been trained to, uh, to look for, uh, for the facts and, uh, and to expose that which was a scam or that which was not true. 
that which was false. But in the process of doing that, he came to believe. In the process of doing that, he was brought to the point of, in his own way, saying, my Lord and my God, you are true, you are real, and your power is magnificent, the way the choir sang and the way that Greg so powerfully narrated those lines from Psalm 8. That was true for Lee Strobel. And he became an apologist, and he's written several, several different books, The Case for different aspects of the Christian story. But in the end, if, if we would ask Thomas, if oh, here's Thomas now, if he came walking through the door and, and said, uh, well, we want to address your doubt, Thomas, he would say, ah, no, no, that's, I have no doubt anymore. I have no doubt. Oh, it was because of that that week after that Jesus came through the uh, through the closed doors and and you were there and uh, and you recognized in every part of your being that he was alive and also that he was risen into the life of the of the followers and the disciples was was that the time when you worshipped him and well partly partly that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the ongoing verification of the resurrection. I think that Thomas, because he's a true follower of Jesus and because the resurrection power was not just for one night in a graveyard right outside of Jerusalem, but the resurrection power was, was released in a new and powerful way for all time, for eternity, I think that Thomas would say that was the beginning of my participation in the resurrection, in the life of the community, in the gathering of those who have seen the Lord and those who have not seen the Lord. You see, I did see the Lord with my, my eyes, but Jesus said, notice that. He said that... Uh, Blessed are you because you have seen me and believed, but even more blessed are those who have not seen and believed. And that's most evident in our individual lives, but also in, in our life together. That's why we started with announcements today. So often we kind of tack those on to the end of the service when we're hungry and our attention span has kind of elapsed and, uh, and the news gets out and sometimes we catch it, sometimes we don't. We, we need to follow up with inserts and with bulletin announcements and emails and all kinds of things. Announcements, announcements. It's a painful way to die is to have announcements coming at you all the time. But yet, to start with that in our worship today announces the resurrection life is here powerful and real in the Covenant Church of Schaumburg. And there's evidence of it. The welcome for Rita, the rummage sale, the, the what's happening in, in missions, the insurance check, all those things. Well, those are pretty earthy things. Yeah, they're part of our contemporary world. They're part of our contemporary life. They're part of our faith. Because the resurrection world means that life is renewed 
and that Jesus is in the midst of living. And in those who did not see him and believed, trusted, there was a new genuineness about their faith. There was, there was a new impact in all their living. And that's really what exploded the church. That's what really made people eager to be participants in the way. That's what the group of followers were known mostly. It was only much later when they were labeled primarily as the church. It was part of a movement. And it came out of what Jesus said to his disciples. It's recorded in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is the way. This is the way that you will trust. This is the way that you will act. This is the way you will try things. This is the way you will see things. Everything. Not just through your earthly, factual eyes, but through the eyes of faith. Everything will have new possibility, new vigor. And when you make mistakes, or when you are not that accurate, Thank you, Ed. You're wonderful for all that you did in getting that insurance check. I didn't hear anyone groan. I didn't hear anyone say, oh, this is just awful. Oh, my goodness. What do we do? <laughs> we laughed. We <laughs> rejoiced. Because there was a wonderful larger joke that was behind that. And so we could participate in that. So... So Ed is edified, he's blushing all over again, and, and we thank Ed for, for his work. And that is not unusual in the Covenant Church of Chambry because it is a healthy church that is fueled by resurrection power. Can I get an amen? amen. So Thomas here would say, yeah, yeah, I know, you got it. You got it, that's where, that's where I went with, the, with my life that in that moment of speechless worship, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, sometimes it causes me to tremble like the spiritual has a sing. <laughs> I tremble. We tremble with awe, with speechlessness. We tremble with the presence of, of God, the, the numinous in our midst. We tremble with the spontaneity of response and we feel something released and activated with, within us. And in Thomas, that meant that, that his faith, his risk expanded. Legend tells us that, that he became a missionary to, uh, to India. He's associated with that. And in Spain, uh, we can't follow exactly where his life went. It's, it's years and years ago and across many different cultures. But the impact of this questioner, this doubter, his mind, maybe too much of his, his mind and his whole aspect was tied up in, in being the cynic and being the questioner and being the, the doubter. Think how much energy that ties up in your lives when you stand there and we act that way. That was shattered. That was changed and he became a true apostle, one who was sent with resurrection power. There was another one, too, that uh, had a response to the resurrected Jesus. Peter, 
You remember Peter, he was, uh, he was the one that denied Jesus, not once, but three times. The one who, uh, who said he would never... whom Jesus said, you are a rock. The first letter of Peter says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of like John's or Thomas's worship moment. My Lord and my God. He starts off with that doxology. He starts off with that powerful statement. By his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This will sound familiar. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peter's talking about a new birth a new hope, a new inheritance. He's talking about new salvation, a new faith that leads to a new and deeper love. He's talking about a new future. And it's all because the resurrection has happened. It's a pivotal, amazing turn of events in human history. Nothing is the same as we receive it and live it out. So that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, the phrase catches my attention. Maybe it did yours too. The genuineness of your faith. Tuesday was tax day the last tax day. I know all of you had sent in your income tax returns weeks and months ahead. I did mine on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> and so I was thinking about my wealth. I was thinking about uh, all my money. <laughs> thinking about all my riches and uh, so I kind of tally that up a little bit in my head and tried to uh, think of all the things that could be deductible expenses, not because I regret giving taxes to the country, it's an honor. It's an honor to uh, do my part to uh, 
uh, to support our corporate corporate life as, as a nation and also then um, have the other parts of citizenship available to me um, to uh, to support or or question or to uh, or to be in solidarity and to be a good citizen to be a follower of Jesus means that that we are the best citizens of a nation I was thinking about my my wealth and uh, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm very rich. I started thinking about all the different aspects of, of my wealth. I thought about some really great old cars. <laughs> I don't worry if an uh, auditor would come and want to value those and assess me more taxes, there wouldn't be worth too much to an auditor. Well, they're kind of worth, worth a lot to me. It's kind of an odd thing, but, uh, but they're part of my wealth and riches. They represent, they represent uh, the past and they represent uh, possibilities in work. They represent saving money and spending money. I thought about uh, but other things that uh, part of my riches that about uh, thought about my house uh, thought about my family and the more I thought about my riches my wealth I realized that there are most things in my life that are much more valuable than gold I thought about the the wealth, the riches of my church. Priceless you are. How priceless this is. That is the central place of energy and service in my life. I'm humbled by that again and again. I thought about the heritage of of my own clan, about my mom and my dad. I thought about my uncles. I thought about the things that I've learned, the experience that I've learned, wealth, wealth. And the more I thought about that, it, it kind of started to preoccupy my mind. In some ways it has all week long. I started making a list of different things that, that make up my wealth. another page that, well, what is the wealth in my faith? That seemed to be an inviting category, and that seemed to be something that uh, I wanted to open up into, into branches, maybe, and, and maybe thinking about the many Easter's that, that I've experienced, and many times that uh, the resurrection has been renewed, and many times that, that Jesus has come to me and invited me, come on, put your hand in the print of the nails in my hand and put your hand in my, the wound in, in my side. Come with me and those places in you that uh, have not been full of faith. Those places that uh, are still wrapped in some kind of, uh, some kind of need for fact or, or some kind of cynicism, uh, some kind of doubt. 
some kind of inattention, some kind of reluctance, and some kind of uh, feeling outside of the of the purview of the of the reach of God or God's love. Those those are that's where doubt lives in me, maybe in you too. It's not just oh I don't know about that. It's it's a whole area. Those places in, in your life, Dan, where, where anxiety seems out of control, like weeds in the garden, and, and you go there, those places where you've chosen to be bored, those places where you feel despair, those places that make you sigh, those places that, where you might feel stuck. Uh, it's just the way it's going to be, and it's going to get worse. Those places, Dan... Reach out and touch the print of the nails in my hands, Jesus said. Your hand in my side, the resurrected one said, do not doubt. Don't live there. Let me transform that. Dissolve it. Erase it. Because I have a lot more in mind for you. I want to make that part of your wealth also. The riches of your life, the genuineness of your faith that permeates all that you have and, and transforms every day into a day of possibility and opportunity. A day that you awaken and expect that the Lord will be greeting you in a way, in a day that you come to count on and live in naturally the resurrected life. That's what was released in the empty tomb. That's why there are limited accounts of the bodily appearance of Jesus, and then he ascends. But the resurrection life, the Holy Spirit, the risen Christ, the indwelling Jesus, lives he lives, he lives. So all those things transform every day. And it invites us to be people that, that do that and live that way. Not just at church and not just in a, a sermon that's coming to a close right now, but but in everything that turns up, last night I was with a group that went to In the Heights. It's a musical that was put on by Bartlett High School. Maya and Amy were in that musical. It was high energy, lots of fun, uh, amazing set dec decorations, lively music. It was about it was about uh, life in a immigrant Latino immigrant barrio. Uh, in New York, New York City, and held up many of the common issues within within that community. We were so privileged to uh, to go with Jessica and Taylor. They were in our car. We drove back and said, "Well, what was the best part of that musical?" And uh, uh, I I thought that they might might say, "Oh, it was the it was the snacks we were passing around," but they didn't say that. 
thought it was maybe going to be one of those dancing numbers, you know, and uh, we would have a chance to kind of work that into some of the choir numbers along the way. <laughs> choreography, I'll talk to Jerry about that. But they didn't say that. They said the, the best part was the part where the, the mother got upset. And I went, hmm, yeah, that was the best part for me. In the midst of, of all this, all this uh, wildlife and all this uh, lights and music and dancing and everything, there was this one scene, there was this one scene, I'm going to tell it real fast, but, but the, uh, Nina has uh, dropped out of school. She went to, to Stanford and was celebrated as the hope of the community that could escape could escape the poverty and escape the, the, the cycle of oppression of their circumstances. And she was very smart, very gifted. She went to Stanford, only she dropped out. And she dropped out in March and she didn't come home until July. And so, and so she's come back and she finally tells her, her parents that she's dropped out and and it is, it is really sad, and, and they're upset, and they're sad, and so forth. Why did you drop out? I lost my scholarship. And I lost my scholarship because there was a litany of reasons or whatever. And so, so that's one person in the scene. There's, and then the other person is the father. And, and the father has decided on his own that he's going to sell his business so that he can give the money to Nina so she can go back to school. So that, that uh, opens up his story about uh, his family and all the hardships they've gone through and the sacrifice and everything and brought them to this point. And so Nina says, no, no, you can't do that, and they go back and forth. And this turmoil is going on uh, in and out of the scenes for a while until this turning point. And the turning point is, is where, where this is starting up again. The father is, is, is told the truth, but he's having kind of a pity party and, and how, how never, and nothing ever goes right and, and everything is just falling apart again now, but he's willing to sacrifice all that he has so that his daughter can go to school and his daughter doesn't want to receive that because it represents um, their whole livelihood and it represents his sacrifice. I am unworthy of that. I can't take that. And so, so that's going on. In the midst of this, the mother says, stop. <laughs> says, stop. And they try to interrupt. They try to keep going on their, on their tapes that are playing. And they're not bad things, but they just are just going. They can't get out of this life. Stop. Stop. And then she turns to her daughter and, and says very directly, says, how could you ever think that when we have supported you throughout your life, when we have given you everything that we could at every point in your life, to discipline you and to make everything you can out of your life. How could you ever think that we would not support you in this? Why would you ever stay out there for four months and suffer by yourself and not come back and tell us what happened? And Nina starts to blah, blah, stop. How could you ever think that? <laughs> 
And you, sir, he, she turns to her husband. And she says, yes, you have sacrificed. You have given all your livelihood and everything, but you have not done this alone. You have done this on the, on the inspiration of your parents and your father. You have done everything through the help and the support of everyone else. How could you ever think that you could make that decision by yourself? You see, we are a family. And when something happens to one, it happens to the other. And we take responsibility for each other. And we figure it out. And we are a family. And both of them start again. Nope. Very strong, very firm. Until they finally listen. They finally listen. It's a quite a scene in the whole musical. And Nina is her head bowed thinking and the father is there thinking. And neither of them are sniffling. Audiences, tears running down their faces. But it is a turning point. Because out of that is, this is our life together. And it is a snippet of the way that a healthy congregation, people on the way, act out and live the resurrection life. Do you see it? Do you feel it? That no longer alone, no longer in solitude, no longer in judgment, no longer in pity, we continue to work, we continue to be disciplined, we continue to sacrifice, but we have the example and the means and the spirit to do that. That's what Jesus did. His resurrection life doesn't mean that we have free skating and we're just flying around. It means that we are enabled and called to link together on the way with resurrection power. So, the resurrection Easter, even the first Sunday Easter, could be another turning point in the life of a congregation. Amen. Let's sing and then we'll pray and do that work together. And uh, 259, Christ is alive, a good declaration of